This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, records are falling left, right, and centre. The Tassie Jack Jumpers deliver a king size reality check in Sydney. Who can beat India as the World Cup rolls on? And prayers up for Kid Kiwi Stephen Adams. Stuart's been on two marathon podcasting efforts with no buses. Let's go. It's 7.27 on Monday, the 23rd of October, 2023. Stu's fresh off a uh, more than hour-long recording with Robbie from the Throwback Hoops. So How are fun. you, Matt? You ready for... <laughs> so much fun. Oh, my God. Amazing. No, you mate. ready for the second half? Absolutely, man. Ready. We might not go that long, but uh, knowing us, it's entirely possible. We'll try We'll try to be a little bit quicker this week. Right? I feel like there's, there's every chance this is under an hour, touch wood. But yes, definitely go and check that out while Woody's still in India. I had a turn in the uh, seat a few weeks ago and it was great fun and it was your turn this week and I managed to escape the predictions, which was a fool's errand, as we always say. So, Look, <laughs> you throw darts at a dartboard and see what comes up, basically. But it's, uh, yeah, look, it's tricky, especially ranking the teams, you know, trying to rank the top 10 in the East and the West is very, very difficult, but... Look, it's good fun. I feel like it's more difficult than perhaps previous years too. Absolutely. There's a lot of teams. There's a lot of wildcard teams like Indiana, New Orleans, a lot of teams that could finish as high as fourth or fifth or as low as 10th, you yeah. know? Yeah. Anyway, go and check that one out to hear Stewie's. We'll still talk basketball today. Oh. Check the timestamps as always. I might go and check it out myself. Well, please do. Yeah. yeah. What you got for opening bounce, mate? Well, just a couple of real quick hits for me today. Incredible, incredible to see Kayla McKeown break her own women's 100-meter backstroke world record. She's now got the five fastest times ever and six of the seven fastest. The timing is perfect as well when you consider the fact that the Olympics are less than a year away and she's only just turned 22. Wow, it feels like she's been around forever. I guess they start young, don't they? So They do. But wow, yeah, okay. In- incredible. So that's obviously a really, really huge deal. And I don't know if you saw this one, Nath, but a guy named Rashid was in prison and needed $10,000 for a bond. He placed $500 on a six-team Moneyline parlay on the Rams, the Jets, the Raiders, the Bills, and the Lions in the NFL, and the Liberty in the WNBA. And he cashed in at $13,000, paid his bond, and got out. Good on him. Good on him. But what's really worth noting here is the Jets portion. In that game, the Jets beat the Eagles. That's the first time the Jets had ever won a regular season game against Philly, previously 12-0. and 0. Did you know that? I didn't. I, I might have heard it and forgotten. But, uh, yeah, no, and the Eagles are flying very high, to use the correct analogy. They they just beat Miami today to make them look a bit kind of pretenderish. So, yeah, that's a big win for the Jets. It was. And on top of that, the Liberty were also an underdog against the Las Vegas Aces. That was the one game the Liberty actually won in a 3-1 series loss. Ah, yes. Congratulations to Kayla George and the Aces there. Yeah, Mm. Asia Wilson's pretty bloody good player. So, yeah, absolutely incredible 16 parlay, that one. Uh, Well done to the guy. He, uh, He deserved it. Yeah, well, hey, you know, I don't know what his crime was, but uh, that's certainly an interesting one. Well, it can't have been like murder or anything if he's got bail. No, yeah, murderers get bail all the time. 10,000 bucks. Well, it depends on their circumstances. It depends on a whole range of things. Anyway, probably common knowledge. Oh, it depends if you watch Law and Order. I don't. No. Don't call it a public opinion this week. No. So what do you got, Noth? Well, I got a bunch of things. Let's start with the NFL because you had some NFL there. Did you see former NFL running back Rashad Jennings? on Wheel of Fortune the other day? No, I don't watch Wheel of Fortune. No, well, I don't either, but I saw this on Twitter. All right, fair So this was the clue, right? So it's rhyme time is the category. He had driving to Reno with blank U-E-N-T-I-N Tarantino. Oh, Luentin Tarantino. Yeah. yeah. He asked for a P. Oh, oh my. Puentin Tarantino. 
Tito Puentin. I like this, this people going, oh, maybe he didn't know who he is. Like, this bloke's our age. This bloke's nearly 40. He should know who Quentin Tarantino is. You'd think so, yeah. So, yeah. Also in the NFL, I saw a... Uh, God, the, the Taylor Swift stuff's getting a bit out of control now. So ESPN have started to include it in their stats. I saw a screenshot today. With Taylor Swift in attendance, Travis Kelsey's averaging 99 yards a game. The other thing was left to his own devices... 46.5 yards a game. Wow. So when Taylor's there, he's twice as good. Gee, she's uh, she's good at blocking then, isn't she? Do you know, I saw I saw a really funny thing, actually. They said, how good is that for Travis Kelsey? He's now getting sixes on and off the field. Oh, jeez. Uh, I'll move on. AJ Brown became the fifth player to have five consecutive games with 125 yards or more. Just the third player to do so behind Calvin Johnson and a guy called Pat Studstill, who I must admit didn't know who he was and had to look him up, but he was born in 1938. So. No, that's Pat Studstill. Well, was, yeah. <laughs> he was notorious for his lack of movement. Well, actually, he was a punter, punt returner and wide receiver. So he was a pretty impressive guy. That he guy. also always had the stopwatch. That's when time stood still. And that's it's my your, puns. It's your turn for the crap puns this week. Done. Yeah, yeah. Congrats to Minji Lee and Min Woo Lee. Great for the Lee family because both of them had tour wins in successive weeks. So good for Aussie golf too. Yep, incredible players. A couple of quick soccer stories. The New South Wales A-League Grand Finals have been very short-lived. They ended up happening there for just one year. They're scrapping that idea. What a surprise. Yeah, turns out that it's not a good idea. The players, it's just not fair. We already know this in the AFL. Uh, but now they've replaced it with a Unite round, which is kind of all the rage at the moment, isn't it? Oh, well, it's better than the other option. Well. Making teams play yeah. a grand final unfairly in a city that they shouldn't be. Indeed. On the other side, the Sydney Derby in the women's uh, just broke the women's domestic record for spectators at the ground, 11,471. And can I finish on some football? No. Yes. Now, I'll let you, I, well, I say you because you're guilty by association here. Why? Well, because I'm Michael. Because you're, Michael you're an Eagles fan. I'm Michael Pryor's son. So I'll quote, at the end of the day, that's the team that won the grand final last year against the team that finished last. 18 teams in the comp and only 10 games. How we play that team is beyond me. That's what you get when you get fixturing like that. Now, a couple of things. One, he was wrong. They finished third last, not last. But also... Prior to that, the Eagles had played six matches against teams that didn't make finals the previous year. This is the most bizarre, like, does he want a participation medal or something? This once proud, great club has had a real rough couple of years. Yeah, and they? we beat Essendon over the weekend. Yeah, I know. But, so take that. Well, how are those quotes, though? Like, I would have oh, been man. ropeable if I heard that. He's, like, he's that's just come out and said, you know what? I said that when I was annoyed. It came out all wrong. It was the wrong message. And... I think he's apologised for it. I think that's fair. It's Yeah, yeah fair I mean, it's stupid. But the other thing as well is if we want to take this league seriously, they should be – I think the AFL should do it as well. They should be playing each team twice. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean 18 it, teams is a lot. Yeah, I mean, it still doesn't create the same sort of parity as it should because obviously all the Melbourne teams would still play in Melbourne against half of the league. But, I mean, I think that's kind of where he's coming from is like, well, if we were one of the worst teams in the league, if we were trying to get – some sort of parity in the league, why would you put us against the team that dominates and wins by 50, 60 points? It just doesn't... Yeah, but they had a soft fixture. They'd previously... I'm, I'm not saying... Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, I know. Just... I know. It's just... A, I can't believe... If a coach has that attitude, I almost want to sack him right away. Like, that shit house. 
That's not an attitude. Then they came and beat the Bombers, who were fifth on the ladder. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, shaking scarves and whatnot. Held them goalless through the first three quarters. Yeah, right. There you go. There you go. So there you go. I watched the last quarter of that. It was uh, a bit dicey for a second, but they they did well, the Eagles. did very well. Well, there you go. That's not something I've said much in the last. No, I know it's like you don't watch AFLW much, so yeah, good. Oh no, I just mean us playing well. Oh well, okay. (laughs) So Nate, before we get stuck into the World Cup, I just wanted to give a massive shout out to Grace Harris. I don't know if you saw her knock yesterday against the Perth Scorchers. I certainly did. I've got additional stats to follow up after you finish this. So he's ready. Yeah, I am. I am. So 136 not out off just 59 balls, absolutely destroying the previous record of 114. That was held by Smriti Mandana and Ash Gardner. And the only other WBBL ton with a higher strike rate belongs to Grace Harris. Ah, very good. 12 fours and 11 sixes. That 11 is a new record. That passes the 10 that Gardner had in her 114. And that is Harris's third WBBL ton, her first in five years. So very, very good effort. Okay, yeah. And how classic was the, hey, guys, I need a new bat. Oh, stuff it. I'll still hit it. And then she hit it for six and the bat kind of cleared the square almost. Oh, incredible. <laughs> that that phrase alone, the nah, stuff it, I'll still hit it, that's one of the most Queenslander things I've ever heard. Oh, I love it. And probably one of the most incredible things I've ever seen on a cricket field. I love it. That's fantastic. So here, here are the stats. Bat one, 70 off 37 with a strike rate of 189. It's probably just as well it broke because bat two, 66 off 22 with a strike rate of 300 in their 50-run win over the Scorchers. Incredible. really is. So, Shui, the World Cup's heated up a bit, hasn't it? After there was a lot of talk about it getting a bit boring and dragging on and all that sort of stuff when we last recorded, we've had some massive results all over the place. It's heated up literally and figuratively. I mean, a lot of those uh, 37 to 39 degree days, which as you and I both know are incredibly sticky in India. That's just, that's not a fun place to be in those sorts of temperatures. Can you imagine playing in it? Not easy, not easy. But yeah, as you mentioned, obviously a lot of really big boilovers. Obviously, the Afghanistan over England game was a huge one. The Dutch beating South Africa. Yeah, well, that's right. The, the Dutch basically said, "Hold my beer to Afghanistan." <laughs> I really did. And look, I'm I'm retiring the phrase minnow. Clearly, anyone can beat anyone in this World Cup. I just looked at the score of the Pakistan Afghanistan game there. Afghanistan are in with a red hot chance against Pakistan, so still a long way to go there. But anything can happen. So I think. Uh, Time to maybe stop calling teams minnows because, look, granted, the Netherlands have a lot of ex-South Africans in the team. True. But still, what a performance. But, I mean, if you look at the ladder, and again, admittedly, we're only sort of halfway through the whole tournament, but you've had Australia and England both sitting second bottom within the last few days. Yep. So two of the biggest nations in the cricketing world struggling. And I guess, you know, Australia looked like they may be potentially finding form. The Pakistan win obviously did help a lot. And we'll obviously thank a certain Pakistani bowler for dropping David Warner when he was on 10. Oh, yes, on 10, yes. But I I think the one thing, I guess, the, the one overall message I've taken out of the first half of it so far, there's no one that's stopping India. Yeah, well, let's come back to that. So first of all, with these upsets, where where do you think they kind of rank in the all-time upsets in World Cup. So, for example, Afghanistan had lost 17 consecutive World Cup matches, their last victory against Scotland in 2015. That one's like Ireland beating England. Yeah? Okay. In terms of how unexpected it was? I think it's bigger. Yeah? Okay. Well, they're the defending champs. 
True. And the fact that Afghanistan had basically not beaten anyone of note in any World Cup previously. Now, obviously, they've had some T20 results and they've certainly improved and are improving over the years. But I, I don't know. I think that might be the biggest upset in World Cup history. It's got to be up there, right? It's got to be up there. So Quickingvo had India over the Windies at the 83 World Cup at Lords, 43 runs. Now, obviously, it was a big upset because the Windies were just such an incredible team back then. And India had won 12 of their 40 ODIs prior to that, which is kind of a crazy thing to even consider in today's day and age. But they beat the Windies in the pool stages. So I I don't think that's the biggest upset. I think that Afghanistan over England. Anyway, the quick info list for those that are interested, Netherlands over South Africa, they've got it two in the group stage this year. Ireland over England, they've got it three in 2011. Afghanistan over England this year, they've got it four. There you go, I was right. Yeah, well, it's subjective. (laughs) I think it's number one. But anyway, Kenya beating the Windies by 73 in 1996. I remember that well because we then ended up playing them in the, was it the quarters or it might have even been the semis Mm. we played Kenya. Ireland beating Pakistan by three wickets in 2007. We remember that well. The upsets for the, the subcontinental teams over there in the well, Windies. Well, that's the game that probably cost Bob Warmer his life. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I, that's if it was a cricket-related death. We can we can speculate. Yeah, I mean, it might have been. The, the timing's yeah. a little bit on the nose. I'll just finish the list here. So Zimbabwe beating Australia by 13 runs in 1983 in the group stages. Bangladesh beating India in 2007. That's the other one I was talking about with those subcontinental teams. Obviously, India and Pakistan both missed the finals there in that one. Bangladesh beating Pakistan by 62 in 1999. And Kenya beating Sri Lanka by 53 in 2003. That's the quick info top 10 for upsets. Yeah, as I say, I think for me... I'd probably have, but given that England were the previous winners and Afghanistan hadn't really won a World Cup match of note against anyone other than fellow minnows, even though I'm retiring the phrase. Anyway. Something interesting as well with that 83 World Cup. Oh, 60 over World Cup. 60 eh? overs. Yeah. India And low scores. India all out 183 or 54.4 and the Windies all out 140 or 52. Yeah, crazy Absolutely stuff. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah, it is. It is. And the other, the other amazing thing, Netherlands, their tails wagging. They went from five for 82 against South Africa to eight for 245. I was down the pub and I was keeping an eye on the score and I thought, oh, yeah, okay, South Africa are winning this in a canter. And then I, I think I checked our group chat or something later. I'm like, holy shit, Netherlands are going to win this. And they did. Yep. My goodness. It's incredible. It does. It goes to show, as you said, like there's no team that you can just walk onto the park and go, right. Because there were times, if you go back to the 07 and I guess, well, 03 as well, those World Cups, you just, you never felt like we were going to lose. Never. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 07, it was just, it felt like a cakewalk the whole time. And it, it is kind of weird rocking up to a ground and just going, mm, how much are we going to win by time? Oh, I wasn't as confident. I was worried about, even though they have that history for choking, I was worried about South Africa in that semi. I wasn't. But um, No, but I remember that, is that I was worried about the final and you weren't. Yeah, okay. We, yeah. we we swapped after the Well, I was worried we were getting fucking results in the final because <laughs> of the weather, but that's True. a whole other story. True. Yeah. But how's this? So South Africa were ranked three in the world and had won seven of their last eight, whereas the Dutch were ranked 14th. So the Dutch aren't even ranked in the top 10 when it's a 10-team mm-hmm. format. Yeah. Well. So I don't know. Maybe that upset is bigger. Maybe maybe ICC Crick uh, Info is right on that one. But yeah, crazy stuff. So what did you make of that match against Pakistan, Shui? It looked like the 400 was on at one stage. We didn't quite get there in the end, but we got enough. Well, firstly, catches win matches. Yes. We always harp on about that, and 
yeah, I mean, the difference between David Warner making 10 and what do you end up making? 163? Pretty, uh, pretty decent knock. But there was a point where I think you posted something on Twitter where you were sort of saying, oh, be interesting if we see whether we can get some of that net run rate back. Yes, yeah, so I was more confident than you. And I was like, yeah. oh, we've still got to win it. And sure enough, <laughs> after that, there was that that horrible, I can see you've got it written down there, six for 42 off the last, what, nearly eight overs. 47 balls, yeah. And this is what I found really interesting. So the commentators were like, oh, Australia. like It's like, yeah, but I don't know. In my mind, the Aussies were clearly pacing their innings because this entire World Cup has been collapse after collapse after collapse and wickets constantly falling in bunches. It's happened in nearly every match. And so I think the Aussies, because we had such a great platform, we're just, all right, let's steady till the 30th over and then we can swing again. And mm-hmm. and so I, I think they paced the innings really well. But then obviously we still collapsed. So it got, yeah, well, like, yeah, at the top we paced it well. And as you say, had Warner been held at 10, who knows what happens. But yeah, the, the collapses are a concern. I'll, I'll read some Warner stats here that are pretty crazy. So he's been a part of all five of the biggest Aussie ODI partnerships, four different partners. He loves playing Pakistan in his last four games against them. He has a 130, a 179, a 107, and a 163 that you just mentioned in stands of 92, 284, 146, and 259. Yeah, incredible. Now, it's going to lead me to some trivia without notice. Oh, shit, here we go. I know you love the cricket trivia without oh, notice. I really don't. No, no, this is gettable. <laughs> this is very gettable. So was the one last week. All right, I've got, I've got. well, it's funny. So we talked about how hard it is when the spotlight's on, isn't yeah, it? How exactly. on throwback, obviously, we've done a bit of trivia, you and I both. And I was like, when I was talking about the Spurs retired jerseys, I was like, oh, I'll get through the easy ones first. And because I forgot about Johnson and Elliot in the easy ones, my mind had totally just kind of gone, no, I need, anyway. But I've already had Woody telling me he was screaming. He was screaming those two names. It was. Um, oh, of course he was. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing, isn't it? It's so easy when you when you listen. Anyway, okay. Most 150 plus scores in ODIs. I've got a list of top five here. Oh, you just give me names. You don't have to tell me the order. Aaron Finch. No. Shane Watson. No. Probably no Aussies at all. No. Well, well, well. I'll give you a red hot clue. Given this fell from a David Warner stage. David Warner. He's the Aussie <laughs> on the list. Sanath Jayasaria. Good, good guess, but no. Mahela Jaiwardner. No Sri Lankans on the top Jesus five. Jesus Christ. Do you want a clue? Yeah, I do, because I'm not good at these I, I reckon the clues will help you a lot. One so. West Indian and three Indians. Is it as simple as Brian Lara? No. Which? The other big hitter opener for the Windies. Oh, Chris Gale. Chris Gale. Yeah, do we? 550 pluses in 301 matches. I didn't hear who the other two were. They both Indian, did you say? Three other Indians. So Dave Warner's second on the list, seven 150 pluses. Uh, so Rohit Sharma. Rohit Sharma's top of the list. Eight of them, but in 255 matches. David Warner's only had 154 matches. So he's played basically 100 less games to only be one less. Yeah. Two other Indians on the list. I mean, again, is it as simple as Tendulkar? Yep. Fifth on the list, five 150 pluses and 463 ODIs. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, Is the other player an older player? He's, He's still around and he likes going for those hundreds. Oh, Virat, of course. Virat. Oh, Jesus Christ. Five in 285 <laughs> matches. I'm so sorry, Woody. So there you go. Sorry for putting you through. That that <laughs> it's was... always hard when the spotlight's on. Well, it is, yeah. But anyway, no, they were actually really gettable. You're right. <laughs> well, I try not to make it too hard. I'm going to get one for you next week just to turn the tables Yeah, on. and I'll fuck it up. Yep. What do you make of the DRS? Like I tweeted about this. I swear sometimes it's a nine-year-old kid just guessing, hey. Mm. Yeah. But... Some of them just... 
There've been a couple. I mean, the David Warner one did look pretty bad. That's one of the ones that I've seen. And the Steve Smith one. I don't. I didn't actually see the Steve Smith oh, one. Oh, that if was I'm honest, terrible but, too. They were both terrible. But yeah, the Warner one. It definitely looked like it wasn't wasn't coming back that far. I, I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. But it's one of these things, though. I mean, if we want to have the technology, we've just got to unfortunately trust it, even if it does look wrong. Well, I'm beginning to wonder if we should have the technology. So who was it? It's like one of the was it one of the I think it was one of the ex Victorian. Like, is it? Darren Berry, or I know Matthew Mott's coaching with England now. It's a, I think it's one of those two that would constantly on Twitter talk about how horrible DRS is and how it was an inexact science and mm. everything. I'm beginning to come to that. Yeah. It's yeah. been some really dicey ones this World Cup. It's it's tough though, isn't it? Because then I guess, where do you draw the line? Do you just get rid of the ball tracking? Do you still check for the inside edges? Well, what it's like? just all umpire's call, I guess. Well, That's yeah, good. yeah. And then we go back to the days of howlers. So... I feel like this is the lesser yeah. of two evils. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be better quality than what we had before. I mean, think about it. How much were we bitching and moaning about how shit guys like Alan Dar? Oh yeah, and uh, and Wilson as well. Like, yep. we've had we've had oh, so, Steve Buckner. Steve, yeah, we've had so many issues with so many of these guys. And if yeah. you just give them umpires call again, well, it's going to go back to shit. So how's this? So I saw an article on news.com.au last week and it said Warner, who had played more than 300 international matches after the DRS system came in, so that includes one day as IPL tests everything, said, and I quote, never had Hawkeye come in and explain to us how the technology actually works. If they could come and explain to us how it works, then sometimes we might not refer or to refer. At the moment, we seem to be waiting for ball tracking. And as a player, you get more frustrated because you think, did they line it up? What's the impact points? How many impact points are there before it goes on? How, like, how bizarre is this? Mm. Like, to think that players wouldn't have a really sound knowledge and understanding of how this fucking system works. Like he said, it would dictate how they choose whether or not to appeal and send one up for review. So that oh, that blows my mind. It really it does. does. It, yeah. It's concerning. What did you make of the comments that he made about maybe the umpires should have their statistics on the board the same way we do? I, I think there should be scrutiny for umpires. I don't hate it, you know. And sometimes blokes don't get a match if they had a howler. I think in the AFL we didn't see that, did we? We talked of that mm. maybe happening. It seems a little bit petty to me. Because, oh, look, yeah. Because really when you think about it, then you could say, all right, well, why don't we have the stats go up and say how many times did David Warner play and miss? He made a mistake. He played the wrong line. I get it. There's frustration for them because there's no real penalty for these umpires if they get something wrong. Whereas I guess for the players there can be. But I don't know. It just it seemed a little bit petty. I agree. I think it was. It sh- I think it looked like it was going to be not out. But I don't know. We just got to trust the the technology a bit. I agree. It's cynical. Obviously, we don't need to see the stats. But. Someone at the ICC should be keeping these things. They don't have to be public, yeah. but they should be taking this into consideration when it comes time to the finals yep. and, and that sort of thing. That's, see, that's fair. Yeah, that's I, fair. I, I do think that. I do yeah. think Okay, that. no, that's fair. What do you make of the Zampa McDonald anthem stuff? Did you see that? They weren't singing along with the national anthem? Like, who gives it? Like, what a storm in a fucking teacup, yeah. for Christ's sake. Some people don't like singing. Yep. It doesn't make them un-Australian. It doesn't make them... I. I these fuckwits at the Australian writing these stupid articles too. Yeah. I mean, does that mean that if you go along to a rock concert and someone's not singing the song that we You're should not have, a fan. we should out them? Yeah. <laughs> You're unmetallica-ish. <laughs> you know? It's uh yeah, it's an absolute joke. Just got Iron Maiden tickets, which I'm very happy to say. Mm, looking forward to that one. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But yeah, just it, it is I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's an absolute joke. Like 
Yeah, if they don't if they don't want to sing it because they're not singers or they're just not people who naturally sing it. Or they don't know the second verse. Because none of Australia knows the second verse. True. In fact, I think it's un-Australian to know the second verse. Well, it's just nerdy, isn't it? What Too much. Prime Minister's pet. I don't know. All right, Shree. I think it's time to play that game we like to play. Carbody? <laughs> no, not now. Maybe another time. Okay. We're nearly at the halfway point of the point of the tournament. Jesus Christ, how odd is Oh, like planet. <laughs> surfboard now, mate. Go down to Bells. Who can win it? India. That's it. Wow. Really? That's how I feel at this at this Really? Exact, at this exact point in time. Wow. And i let me tell you why. Go on. There is no side in the competition besides India that is well, put it so there's no side as complete as India. So if you look at their bowling, the bowling unit is out of this world. Jasper Brummer hasn't gone above four and a half runs and over in any of the five games they've played yet. Is that because it looks like he's buffering when he runs in? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I heard an incredible stat. They said it's something like in the last, I don't know, five or six years, the last 10 overs, he has a, an economy rate of 5.8. Wow. Isn't that incredible? That's that's incredible. Yeah. That's how that's good he That's Hall of Fame stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's a guy that can, he can roll his fingers over the ball, bowl these cutters, but he doesn't change the pace of his arm. So it's really hard to pick. So I think, obviously, he's an incredible first option. They're getting regular wickets from Ravi Jadeja and Kuldeep Yadav, who I am not convinced they're not the same person, by the way. <laughs> they I don't have the same action. I reckon Yadav is where, is just Jadeja wearing a beard and a moustache. <laughs> okay. With a different action. Different action. Okay. They're both lefties. Okay. So I don't know. I just feel like they're the same person. And then you've got bloody Mohamed Shami comes in for his first game, just waltzes in against New Zealand, takes five for 54. Well, it takes me back to that comment I remember hearing Greg Chappell saying on the Great Cricketer back in the early days when we first started this podcast. We were saying if they got their act together, they'd have the nine best teams in the world because of their population and their love for cricket. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of almost seems like they have. Like, as I say, their bowling's out of this world. Then you go the other side. Coley's taking the piss right now with the bat. He's averaging 118. Rohit Sharma's in second place for total runs in the tournament as well, averaging about 61 with the bat. Even their fielding's been ridiculous. You've got these fast bowlers diving headlong, saving boundaries. They're just, they're too complete. And on their home deck, like it's going to take a disaster for them to drop any matches in this entire tournament. Like, I don't know if there's a team in this field right now that think I think could do better than a 4-1 defeat in a five-game series. That's how dominant I feel wow. like this Indian side is. Wow. Yeah, okay. Like, the only thing that I feel like could save us is more injuries like the Hardik Pandya one. And obviously, nobody wants to win that way. No, no. Oh, look, they're head and shoulders, clearly, and, and they're 5-0 and for a reason, and they're playing at home, and it helps. But in one-off elimination games, I, I look, I still would give New Zealand, a, even though they obviously just smashed them, I would still give New Zealand a chance. I kind of almost want to give South Africa a chance, too. They're just that class in innings. So we had it on in the background on Saturday. We were down the pub for my 40th. That class and knock was just incredible, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. If they can, in one-off elimination, you know, if they catch a team where a couple of players get hot, obviously they should be absolutely overwhelming favourites. But I still think New Zealand, South Africa, it's hard to say Pakistan. Nah, nah, Pakistan. On, on turning pitches. But nah, they don't look anywhere near it. Yeah, it's- some of the other subcontinental teams aren't as good as they might otherwise have been in other years. Well, all right, let's 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 look at it this way. Afghanistan are pretty much done, one and three. They have to run the table. Sri Lanka, one and three, would have to run the table. Netherlands, one and three. And Bangladesh, one and three, would have to run the table. England, one and three. 
would have to go undefeated the rest of the way in all likelihood to make it. So the only side that even has an outside chance at that is England. Then you've got, obviously, Pakistan and Australia, two and two. I don't really feel confidence in either of those teams getting past maybe... They might make the top four, but I can't see them getting past that. Yeah, in my heart, I believe we can win in my head. No chance. Yeah. No. The only... I'll give you South Africa because on any given day, they could... They're very damaging. They could go mental. I, I have no problems with admitting that they're probably the one team. But I just, I didn't see enough from New Zealand last night. I just don't think their batting depth is strong enough. I think the bowling, even last night, like the, the William injury was huge. Williamson injury was huge, wasn't it? Oh, the Williamson injury, yeah, is massive. Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah, takes away that guy that accumulates. And I mean, he's always a chance of getting a ton. And so experienced, steady, kind of poised. Yeah, that was, that was a real shame. I'm going to say one thing, though, that is probably going to surprise you, Nath. Mm-hmm. I actually have really come to respect Mitch Santner. Ah, hey. Yep. Yeah. Well, hey, he was leading wicket taker of the tournament not so long ago. Yep. No, in, in watching but... the way that he bowled last night, he was an absolute shining light for the Kiwis. Thought his control... Really good length. Yeah, he controls his length incredibly. Really, really good length. Just kind of nag and kind of back just, him into the corner yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yep. so I think he's he does just enough. Now, I'm actually a lot more impressed with him than I have been in previous years. So, uh, yeah, look... New Zealand are an outside chance, the same way the Aussies are an outside, outside chance. But I think South Africa is maybe the only team that can challenge India. I think they're just, they're too strong. There you go. All right. Well, some big matches to come. Australia, New Zealand on Saturday. The Friday, Pakistan, South Africa should be interesting. India, England, Sunday. It's a big game. Finish them off. Yeah, hopefully. Go India. And yeah, they're probably the big ones coming up. So yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on things and maybe we'll play this game again. Now, just wanted to finish this with one thing. I assume that you watched the game last night, the India-New Zealand game. I, I watched bits and pieces. I watched probably the last 15 overs or so. I watched probably the last 15 overs of Afghanistan-England as well, yeah, which was very enjoyable. So did you see the inclement weather, which was basically just cloud? Oh. A- AKA fog or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you see that though? I, it was, yeah, I don't know what was going on there. Just a- much like the run-out, it was a bit... Uh, Coley going for his tonnage. Oh, yeah. Well, that's... I mean, that's fair enough, though. He was the batter in form. I don't mind Suryakumar Yadav falling on his sword for him. That that makes more sense. But Dharmasala as a venue, it's it's not done itself any favours. Obviously, the outfield has been horrific. Yeah, we talked about that last week. And and I, I came up with this thing. Dharmasala is basically like an 18-year-old Instagram model. <laughs> okay. If it weren't for the fact that everyone focuses on its looks, they might realise that it's completely toxic for anyone that comes into contact oh, with it. Oh, wow. I like it. I, that's, I like it. I was thinking about it last night. I'm like, that. that's it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like Cape Town, but it's not like Cape Town. But, it, but it's not Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not good. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's really one of these, like, don't get me wrong here. I love what they've done. In fact, throughout the, the entire tournament, and I think it's something that cricket does really well, is getting to those drinks breaks or whatever, and they do those beautiful packages of this is the city we're in and this is what the place looks like and these are the beautiful views of the mountains and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, They've always done that really well. But if that's the only good part, it's just, I don't know, I just don't, I don't rate it. And look, it's great that people in that part of India get to watch cricket. It's great they don't have to drive down to Delhi or wherever to watch a game. And jump on a train, yeah. But fuck me, that place is just, it's horrible. I'm sorry. Well, when it's a World Cup, you need to be playing in 
world standard venues yeah. with grounds that are up to it. You can't dive. Yeah. It's just not yeah, it's no, not, it's a shame. It's not right. It's so, a yes. Shame. so yes, Dharmasala, you are an 18-year-old Instagram model. Shame on you. I love it. Just quickly, New South Wales haven't won a shield match in 21 months. Mm. Crazy. And did you see here at the Wacker WA and Tassie combined for over a thousand runs in the first innings, and then we nearly managed to snatch a, a victory at the end. I think they were eight for no nah, five. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. yeah, they got to five fairly quickly. Where did I get eight from? Yeah, eight okay. Five. There you go. Yeah, my favorite number. So no, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Looks like boobs on its side. Instagram models. Yep, that's it. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? So, the bloody hell this week, Stewie, comes from the state of Michigan. Now, I'm going to start off with some trivia. Do you know where Adolf Hitler was born? Austria. Austria is correct. And had he got into art school, there's that famous trivia that maybe the world would be a very different place. Now, it's interesting trivia. I used to be an MC of a quiz. I like trivia. But the place where it gets a bit bloody hell worthy is when you decide to put it on the grandstand screen for the entire stadium to see. And, of course, all the people at home on television as well. Bit on the nose, especially when there is some pretty horrible stuff going on in Israel and Gaza and all that as well. Yeah. But what makes it worse? Apparently they had just ripped it blatantly off the quiz channel on YouTube and that included Hitler's image as a part of the quiz. But the school didn't ask for permission, didn't pay any money or anything like that. So that's what makes it even worse. But what compels that? Why... Uh... You know, mm, I do. I know he was a world figure in history and all that, but it's like, guys, like, there's a few other options. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Pol Pot or something. No, oh, yeah, I don't know why you would put atrocious world leaders in that trip. It's just crazy. True. Do you know the one positive though? I will take from this note: Americans don't usually have the greatest geographical knowledge, or often any at all. So it was good that they at least got the right answer. <laughs> Fair call. So, insult to injury, the Michigan Wolverines beat them 49-zip. Oh, dear. No love for the Spartans there. Mm. Oh, dear. So, to the Michigan State Spartans, all I can say is, Blutigahala, bloody hell. Bloody hell. So, Nath, round four of the NBL season is in the books. What would you make of it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Funnily enough, I saw more of the other teams than I did of the Wildcats. I saw a good amount of the Sunday doubleheader, but Saturday were, as I said earlier, uh, sinking the piss for my 40th. And so we did have it on in the background there, but I didn't didn't have much desire to go back and watch it again Nope, because it's pretty car-wrecky. Oh, it's, it? it's dire. It's it is, absolutely yeah. dire. That's, that's the word for it. And everyone's calling for JR's head. Yeah, myself included. Bryce is shooting. Well, you have the stats, don't you? The horrible shooting percentages. Yeah, Bryce is shooting 32% from the field, 29% from deep. It's just, it's, he he doesn't have the fear factor anymore. Teams do not fear him. And that's a really sad state. And I know that, you know, I've said that he's on the decline and it feels like he is to me. I I, I don't know. He's still got a few good years left, but I just don't feel like this offense suits him at all. Um, and it's, you know, one of these things we've often, I guess, lamented the the fact that the flex offense just died with Trevor Gleason leaving the team. But there's just, there's no offensive system at all in this team. It's just, I don't know, there's so many options. You've got great guys like Pinder and Saar that you can run pick and rolls with. You could put him in the post and throw it down to them once in a while. You know? Saar only played 12 minutes. Yeah, and he's pretty tall. So should probably be starting. He, he should be. 
So, yeah, I like the idea of that. Play inside out. Don't just, oh, let's just default to shooting as many threes as we can. Jordan Usher has gone off a cliff after his first game. I think he had one other decent game a couple of games ago, but I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of worried about It's him. his shot selection that bothers me. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it, look, it's definitely, I don't want to say panic stations just yet. You would like to think that we'd bounce back against Brisbane without Aaron Baines at home this week. But, geez, I'll tell you what, if they somehow manage to lose that one. <laughs> well, this is after we lost to a team that Body Nodge wrote. And it's a bit of a lengthy quote here, but this is this is how he feels about Adelaide. And he's covered the 36ers for, what, the whole time the league's been a competition, basically, right? So he said, Bruton's substitution pattern resembled that of an under-10s coach to give everyone some court time to keep the parents happy. He goes on. One of his assistants, Craig Simpson, is so blatantly auditioning for the role when Bruton inevitably falls on his sword or is pushed onto it, that it's embarrassing. Jumping up all the time with what has to be just absolutely unmissable game-changing advice, it is way past the time he stayed in his lane. If he thinks he's next in line for the coaching gig, maybe he should factor in the role he is also playing in this team's demise. There's no buy-in from the players because there's nothing to buy into. I mean, Jesus, like that's some pretty scathing remarks about the 36ers, the team the Wildcats just lost to. Hmm. By double figures as well. No Dumpster fires all around. Yeah, it's it's not great. It's not great. Speaking of Adelaide as well, just kind of stay on that track for a second. What did you make of the DJ Vasiljevic situation? Oh, wasn't that hilarious? So Nick Tan kept receipts. He was calling them a trash organisation, basically. Yep. And now he's signed with them. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you've done a quote. I've got a quote here as well. DJ said, I remain loyal. I said, it was Sydney or nowhere. I'll prepare well for Summer League. And then if the NBA doesn't work out, I'll be back with the Kings. So obviously it makes sense that he would sign in Adelaide. Yes, indeed, yes. He doesn't really seem to have any ties to. He was born, well, he was born overseas. I think he was born in Canada, but he grew up in Melbourne. He's played in Sydney. Like- well, it's probably just the team that could throw the money at him and that needed him. But this is after he also said that other quote, what was it? They they haven't been relative since Joey Wright was their coach or something. Like, I think the word you're looking for is relevant. relevant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. thought you'd misquoted that. No, 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 that's like, what he wrote. I used to work with a girl. She'd always say, oh, it's all relevant, isn't it? It's like, no, it's all relative. <laughs> Get it right. I mean. Anyway, I we won't. Uh, it's all relevant to something. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, exactly. But no, yeah. terrible. Well, everything's all relevant. Yeah, anyway. That's yeah. it. Look, flip side of the league. What Tassie. Have, what have you made? Well, okay, let's talk about Tassie. What have you made? Oh, they look fantastic. They're well coached. They've got good chemistry. They play the game the way it's meant to be played. Milton Doyle is a perfect leader. Lee was the perfect big man to bring into yep. that team. Agreed. And Jordan's looked really good running the point, hasn't he? Really good. Yep. So when you have 14 points in the first two and a half minutes of the fourth oh, quarter against Sydney. An absolute fire. Blew the game out of the water completely. Yeah, so I saw most of that game. A very impressive effort. Very impressive. I love the call that you made, and I made the exact same call as well about Marcus Lee. I think he is probably going to go down as the most underrated pickup of this offseason. Yeah, yep. When you consider a guy in an offense with Milton Doyle and Jordan Crawford, who are obviously very ball dominant, they're going to take a lot of shots. You need one of these guys who's going to go down there, fight for every rebound, set screens, challenge shots. Sit in the dunker spot. Yeah, do all the dirty work. And if he gets one or two shots for the game, he's not going to pout. That's what I love about it. And they made the reference to Scott Roth and his coaching staff and just how well the players for Tassie understand, this is my role, this is how I'm going to benefit the team, and they just go out and do it. 
Nobody's sitting there pissing him. Like Jack McVay's not going. Oh man, I was getting more shots last season. What's going they on? They have great culture, guys. Yes, yeah, McVay just, included. Oh, yep. Honestly, yep. it's what I wish Perth was now. Well, <laughs> it's like we were talking about Scott Roth. We wish the Wildcats had gone after him instead of instead of Scott Morris at Coast Camo. Yeah. Yep. Now, what about Melbourne United? Oh, they're stacked, aren't they? And Chris Golding started to play well too. By the way, congratulations to him. I think it was on three hundred games. Jesse Wagstaff had four fifty on the weekend too. And we talked about what? What do I say? Tony Ronson, six eighty-seven or yeah, something. Yeah, six hundred and fifty. Oh, it's ridiculous! It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations to those guys. Yeah, they're basically firing on all cylinders, aren't they? Huck Porty looked really good, even though JLA came back, and they're pretty scary. Yeah. That's that's the scary thing is that you've got JLA coming back into that side, and you know he's on a mission as well because he wants to prove that he's still a you know a top quality player. I, I think the battle between him and Huck Porty for that starting role is going to be fascinating. I don't even think JLA minds coming off the bench. I think he probably loves the, the fact that it motivates him to do better, but yeah, they're uh, they're an incredible side. And I, I just think, I don't know. I, I think I did say last week, it seemed like a, a fait accompli that it's going to be Melbourne and Sydney. And obviously that's not the case anymore after what Tazzy did. But um, I, I think the big thing with Sydney is just the falling in love with a three-point shot and all of their problems might go away as soon as DJ Hogue comes back. But you look at the last two games, they've taken more than half of their shots from three, 77 to 75. Wow. And they've shot at 17 of 77. Wow. Yeah. It's right. disgraceful. Yeah. Like just, just having that mentality, oh, they'll start dropping soon. Like it's just, it's dangerous. Three is worth more than two, but it's, it's not pretty basketball for me. I don't like yeah, three-point shootouts. Yeah. yeah, but is a bad three better than a good two? Oh, of course. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, yep. it's not going to work that way. Yep. And the thing is, like, they've got Hunter and they've got Bolden. And they've got a lot of good, long, lengthy sort of guys like Tui. They could be doing a lot more. Noy even down low yeah. can do some damage if he wants. Yeah, set up some pick and rolls, get into the mid-range. Don't just fire away and just go, oh, you know, eventually they'll start dropping because they might not. 7 of 40 against Perth. They got bailed out by dominating the rebound battle. Yeah. Well, and it's the bigs, isn't it? Jordan Hunter killed us. Isaac Humphreys killed us after doing nothing in his previous game. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it, look, it's one of these things where I think I think Sydney will be fine. They're obviously very, very talented, but I think that you've got to be able to make these in-game adjustments. And if things aren't working, maybe go another, another route. I don't know. Yeah. Um, did you see much of Southeast Melbourne? I, I did always say that Sydney was a bit of a chemistry experiment and it was going to take a yeah, bit of time. And then the Hoke comes in and, yeah, yep. yeah. Southeast Melbourne, yeah, I saw a little bit. I mean, Alan Williams, he's just... A, so good, in oh, there. He's just magnificent. Yep. Absolutely magnificent, yeah. Best big man in the comp? Uh, yeah, nearly. Yeah, I mean, he came back from injury pretty well, didn't he? He, he was did. dominating the board. So, yeah, he'd be, he'd be top three, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously he then makes the Phoenix a little bit more dangerous. It's it's a fascinating spot that the league's in right now. I mean, we haven't even spoken about New Zealand or Cairns. I mean, those two teams obviously have just come off that horrific travel that they've had to do. Yeah, and so we talked about the NBLX-NBA last week, and I think it was the has-been hoops guys. I think it was Chris Anstey and Mark Worthington who said that the NBLX-NBA teams should play each other when they come yep, home. Smart. What a smart... Like, why, why hasn't anyone thought of this? Mm. Why isn't this being done? It's just so obvious. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a good good call. Yeah, I thought they could even have like a little a home and home series, just to kind of give them that week to get back. Yeah, it's a great idea. Well, let's play the game. Who can win it? This is a lot more. Well, India clearly. <laughs> no, no. Um, look, I think at this stage, obviously Melbourne United are 
I think probably just slight favourites at the moment. I think Tassie definitely we've seen. And look, the one thing I've decided about Tassie, I'm going to stop underestimating them because I seem to do it every season and they come out and they're, they're, they look awesome. Yeah. I don't think we can properly judge. Well, look, Sydney obviously have the talent, so I think Sydney can still win it. I don't think we can judge New Zealand, but I think they've got the talent as I'm well. I'm prepared to put New Zealand in. Uh, that's the group of four for me. Yeah, Zolan Cheatham looked really good. Yes, yes. Well, he could be NBA bound again. I wonder if NBA might come scratching around. It is yeah, possible. Yeah. And then I think you've got a second sort of tier. Southeast Melbourne are probably just outside the four looking in. Cairns potentially, and then I guess Perth if they can figure it out. But even then, I'm not prepared to put us in that. That category no. right now. I yeah, it's a clear four for me, and that's the four. Yeah, but then I think you've got those other two, and then I guess it's uh, yeah, the remaining four from there. I feel like we're closer to Adelaide and Illawarra. And oh, definitely. Right definitely. So, uh, the proof's in the pudding there. Yeah. So, without question. Do you agree, disagree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're the only four I would have, and they'll be the top four, and I think they'll be fighting off for finals. Yep. Yep. Unless something dramatic changes. And look, there's a long way to go. So, it could. True. But at this point in time, they're the only four I would give a chance. Yeah. Cool. So NBA, we won't kind of, you've obviously just done this big, long preview with predictions and all sorts on the throwback hoop. So go and check out that episode when that comes out. It can't be too far off. And if it hasn't come out yet, when you listen to this, listen to the episode with Mookie anyway, because he's great too. Yeah. So we won't do too much previewing of the NBA, but there is some bad news on the injury front and the cutting front, as far as the uh, Aussies and New Zealanders are concerned. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I don't know if people have somehow managed to miss this. Stephen Adams. Just, well, it's fairly fresh news, yeah. It is. It's horrible news for Memphis. So he's out for the entire season. Tried to rehab his uh, troublesome right knee, and it's unfortunately failed. He's undergone surgery to correct it. It's a posterior cruciate ligament, so it's not exactly a fun one. And unfortunately, yeah, he won't be back until the start of next season. One of my all-time favourite guys. I mean, what does this mean for the Grizzlies? Well, this is what I was just about to ask to you. Did this impact on where you thought they would finish? It did. Yeah. So where did you have them? I had them ninth after yep. the injury. And I had them, I think, seventh, maybe. Yeah, I think I had seventh before the injury. Because I feel like the Morant 25-game suspension is going to be a tricky thing to overcome. Oh, but not only that. There's still stories of Morant. Like, he still hasn't got it, apparently. Yeah. He's, it's not getting through to him. So there's bigger problems with Morant by the sounds of things to the point where I was listening to Bill Simmons today. I can't remember who his guest was, but they were saying that they might even panic trade him. It's possible. So, it's... I mean, that's a big that's a big jump, isn't it? How funny would it be if they traded him for Zion? You know, just Oof. trade headaches. That would be interesting. Yeah. But see, the thing is, and the, the reason why I think this is such a, a big issue on top of the Morant stuff, if you look at Memphis's depth chart in terms of the big guys, Xavier Tillman now becomes the starting center. Yep. Which is not great. Sam, I think he just re-signed. Yeah. He he deal? I think he might have got a deal. Yeah. He's a good backup. Yeah. He's not a starting center. But he's a backup. Yeah. Jaron Jackson will probably have to play a fair bit of center. And as I said in the episode with Robbie, I, I worry that, you know, he already committed the most fouls per game last season in the entire league. You put him onto Jokic, you put him onto Embiid. He doesn't like playing center. He's come out and said it. So. He, he, I don't think he's going to be the same sort of, or well, any sort of similar effectiveness. So I, I do worry about that. You're also going to see potentially Kenny Lofton might get a chance, which I kind of like. I like Kenny Lofton. I think he, he should be an NBA player. But yeah. It's, just, it's the overall depth though, isn't it? Because yeah. Dylan Brooks is gone too. And he was a pretty important pace for them. So they're without Adams all season now. They're without Morant for a, more than a quarter of the season. I think it's going to be tough for them. 
It's going to be tough. Well, this is the projected starting five. Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Zaya Williams, Jaron Jackson Jr., Xavier Tillman. It's a middle of the pack. It, it is. It's middle of the pack. It's not terrible. Uh, obviously, not- getting Marcus Smart helped. It's Yeah, I think you're right. It's about middle of the pack. But, you know, on the three games in four nights, and I know those don't appear in the schedule as often these days, but this is the sort of team that's they're going to have a lot of schedule losses. Yeah. Without, yeah, any team without depth, those schedule losses will happen. Yeah, and they're also missing Brandon Clark for quite some time as well. So there's every possibility that, yeah, this team, geez, they could be on the outside looking in. It's just not good. Now, we have, we've also had a couple of Aussies, unfortunately, get cut. Joop Reith has been cut by the Blazers and Jack White has been cut by the Nuggets. I'm hopeful that they could still find another team. I mean, even Memphis needs big, so they might even come calling. Who knows? So I'm hopeful that they'll stay over there. NBL landing spots. Uh, I think it'll be NBA or Europe, to be honest. I think right. I, I don't don't see them coming home, but could happen. That's just mm. my hunch. Yeah, Look, I have if, nothing to back that up with. It's just a hunch. If they do come home, I would... I mean, obviously, we'd love to see either in Perth. Duop Reith, I think, would be a great fit. Well, raised in Perth, so he's an obvious choice. It definitely helps. Yeah. I think Jack White in Adelaide would be fun. Mm? I think he could or be... Or Jack White anywhere. Anywhere I mean, would be fun as well, yeah. Fantastic, yeah. yeah. I, I, think he, fan. I think in Adelaide, he could make a, a pretty decent difference to, the, to them. I don't see many other places that he probably would fit in right now just because of the, the way rosters are constructed, but... Yeah, you're, you're probably right. He, they probably do sign into the G League teams, and that'll... or they'll they'll find you know as we say the the Grizzlies have a bit of big issues. The Suns maybe could do with one of those guys. There's a few guys, a few teams out there that need an extra big. Hmm. So yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Now there's been a trade and there's been a maybe coming trade. Oladipo for Porter Junior. What do you make of that one? Oh look, yeah, I mean. It's not even really worth mentioning. He's cut it? him straight away. So yeah, Oladipo, his days are done. Unfortunately, he's just not the same player as he used to be. And Porter Junior, and whether what he did was true or not, I think the teams have just seen enough and gone. You know what? Where the smoke, there's fire. He's always been a bit of a culture guy. That's not like not a good culture guy. Obviously, a one of the headache. Yeah, yeah. Are the cultures in yogurt. So they good. Uh well we wouldn't eat them if they weren't yeah he's like the anti yogurt yeah okay frogget Fro- no. yeah potassium benzoate <laughs> yes he's probably more like yeah. potassium benzoate yeah yeah that's bad <laughs> so yeah look the trade I mean it's basically nothing you trade it just frees up a spot effectively so yeah I think it was just the thunder going right let's let's sort of uh, yeah let's pay to free up another spot in the in the roster and helped us cut down the same way that we did with Jack White unfortunately. Now, speaking of cutting down, James Harden might be cutting down the weight he puts on when he's traded mm. from Philadelphia, assuming he puts on... And you've got some notes there on him. Yeah, so this is a really interesting one. So the Sixers were speaking to the Clippers about the James Harden for Terrence Mann, an unprotected first rounder and a first round pick swap. The Clippers said that Mann is, quote, untouchable in a Harden deal. Thoughts? Well, I think it's interesting, I mean, how badly do the Clippers want him? Because there, there's no other suitors. So the, the Clippers have a lot of bargaining power here. Hmm. So if they're, if they're not completely sold on Harden being the right fit for their team, they'll go, well, we'll take him at the right price. But we reckon we can go all right without him. So I, I don't, I think it's just good bargaining on their, on their part, to be honest. Because who else wants him? No one else wants him. True. Now, if another suitor comes in, whole different story. The price goes up. 
that's an incredibly different scenario. But I think, I don't know. I don't hate the, I mean, look, I, I'm not a fan of James Harden. I wouldn't want him anywhere near my team unless we were playing him. But uh, yeah, see, I think it makes sense. See, I kind of look at it slightly differently. So Paul George is 33, Kawhi Leonard's 32, Russell Westbrook's 34. Those guys don't have a whole lot of years left, really. I love Terrence Mann. He's a great hustle guy. But we're talking at the end of the day about adding a fourth Hall of Famer to this team. Uh, it's I don't know. I just think at some point you kind of look at it and go, well, our window is going to shut fairly soon. Do we pull the pin? And the other thing to remember is that Mann's 27. It's not yeah, he's, he's older than you think. It's not yeah. he's 23 or 24 yeah, like yeah. it feels, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the way I look at it is that the only real potential scare to me is that unprotected first round. I mean, if could be a year that the Clippers have regressed, in which time it could be worth something decent. But even though Harden's a bit of a nut job, if you're starting a team that say, I think Westbrook's coming off the bench anyway, but if you're going, oh no, he's actually scheduled to start. But if you go Westbrook, Harden, George, Leonard, and Zubart, that's a fucking scary side. And then well, you only one ball. But then you, well, yeah, but Westbrook and Harden are both very willing passers. So that kind of helps there. Yeah, but Kawhi is a high usage guy. Kawhi likes the ball in his hands. True. But- I Yeah, I, I'm not convinced it's a good move for the Clippers. And I think that's the basis under which they've done they've done this. Maybe they're not even convinced they want him. I don't know. I just I mind the idea. Uh, On the flip side, it makes sense when you've got two defensive juggernauts like Leonard and George, you can hide him a little bit more. So that does make sense. Not Westbrook's defender. not a bad defender. Yeah. And they've got Batum and some other guys that can defend as well. They're not starting. Robert Covington off the bench is a good defender. Oh, no, yeah. Dude, he... I think he's passed it. Same time, he's still a decent defender. Yeah. Norman Powell's a decent defender. I love... I'm a big fan of Norman Powell. I, I think Covington, every time I've seen him the last season or so, he hasn't shown much. I think he might be past well, it. Well, in but... that case, Nick Batum's in the same... Like, yeah. Oh, well, no, Nick Batum's <laughs> still... He's still... He's, I don't know. He's still handy. I'm very interested to see if, if there's an age difference between those two guys. So... Nick, I reckon Batum's older. Nick Batum's 34. Yeah, he's I probably right. older. I think Covington might only be 32. 32, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just based on eye tests no, when fine. I saw him play last year. Yeah. I mean, look, I still think there's enough on that bench there. I don't know. I just I look at it and I just think if you put Harden in that team, look, it could be an absolute disaster and it could blow up all over the city of Los Angeles, but it also could go really well. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I don't know. They need to do something probably. Yeah. It's just a matter of what. Do they blow up the entire team or do they, yeah, do they try and... Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it just seems to me like does... Terrence Mann fit the timeline? Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway. No, no, I think that's fair. I think it's the circumstance under which they're not, they've got no other bidders, you know, yeah. so they have the bargaining power. Yeah. Look, I would encourage anyone who's listening that has thoughts on that, let us know what Always. you think. Would Always. You, would you make the trade or would you keep him? So I've just got a couple of funny ones or interesting ones to finish quickly. Utah Jazz, their team store was selling a, so funnily enough, you're wearing a jump man with the number 23. Their team store was selling a shirt that said Utah Jazz that had the Michael Jordan Jumpman on it. Oh. What jazz fan? Is Brian Russell under it? Yeah, well, exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, what a bizarre thing to be selling in the store. Like, what jazz fan wants a reminder of the guy that denied them two championships, basically? Oh, they might as well just put a shirt out with a 13-year-old girl on it. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, that's the Carl Malone joke. He's that's not it. a good man. Apparently, the, there's been such a backlash that I think it's now been removed from the store. Good. So fair enough, too. That's that's terrible. It's right? bizarre. Play for them. Like, why? I don't get yeah. that. I don't get that at all. 
Then the other one, did you see Kyle Kuzma? He's saying Nike is ruining the nostalgia of jerseys. Every year it's a new jersey and what gets lost is brand identity. Now, shut your ears, Woody and Robbie. I know you, and you, Stewie, shut your ears too. I know you all no, like jerseys. I, no, I agree with Yeah, I agree 100%. And I've said this before on our show. I think it's just crazy when they have these jerseys with colours that aren't anything to do with the team. I think it's just shit for the casual fan. They turn on a game and go, who the fuck are these teams? Yeah, I think I think it's gone way out of control. And look, I'm not a jersey buyer, so, you know, but I think it's overboard. I agree with Coos. I don't have a problem if they get it right. The problem is, though, that Nike gets it wrong. I mean, here's, look at some of these things. Heat culture, that looks like shit. Atlanta, that just looks like a generic font on Microsoft Word. The San Antonio one, the color. Yeah. Like, San Antonio is not orange and white. No, they're all shit. I wouldn't want any the, of them. The, the Los Angeles Lakers one, that would be a better font for the, the Denver Nuggets because it looks more like a mountain. Yeah, that's shit ass. It, someone, I think I saw somebody who said the Lakers one looks like they went and got the cheapest jersey they could from a sports store and then went down to like an arts and crafts store and bought a whole bunch of single letters. And then they sell it for 200 bucks a pop. That's the problem. There, yeah. There's just, there's literally nothing good about any of these jerseys. So yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent with Kyle Kuzma. I don't think there's anything good about anything they're doing. Look at the Clippers ones. Now, fashion advice from Kyle Kuzma after that oh. pink, the pink jumper last year was uh, the Betty White. But he's right. Yeah, he is he's right. so right. He is right. Not, it's, honestly, it's disgusting. Yeah. And that Clips one, the font reminded me of the Wizards. The ball reminds me of the, it's you like know. Pepsi. Yeah. Clipsy. I don't know. They're just, yeah, they're yeah, really. No, it's out of control. Oh, oh my God. I just threw up in my mouth. District of Columbia. Oh my. Is that for real? That's disgusting. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, there's a lot of good memes going around and it's. Uh... <laughs> just greedy pigs. Greedy pigs. They're not even trying anymore, yeah. honestly. That's, I mean, the, the, I don't mind the Kings one because that kind of reminds me a lot more of the old school. Like, at least it's kind of in the ballpark of the right colors. Yeah. yeah it reminds me more of like the Rochester Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Colors, yeah. Which it's I, a bit Nixian, but yeah. Which yeah. Are good. But I yeah. think Nike are basically one or two from 30. That's yeah, how bad they're taking they are. the piss. Nike, just don't do it. All right, Stuart. You know what that music means? Final thoughts time. Nice. It is two days until oh, the NBA no. tips off. Jesus Christ, I cannot wait. Perfect birthday present. Do you know, I even I watched an entire Spurs preseason game. Wow. I don't think I've ever watched an entire Spurs preseason game in my life. That's how excited I am about Wemby. Isn't it amazing? It yeah. is amazing. But yeah. no, look, exciting times ahead. Lots of really great cricket going on. Obviously, we're focusing massively on the NBA, though, which is just what it's all about right now. Oh, it? yeah, the Cricket World Cup and the NBA. Fun times. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sportplex.